Welcome, England fans! This is the Three Lions podcast, the podcast for England fans by England fans. My name is Ryan Power, and since you heard my dulcet tones last, England have managed to hold the FIFA number one and number two ranked teams without even conceding a goal. Plus, we've learned our Russian World Cup fate and we've managed a plum draw. Surely about as good as we could have hoped for as second seeds. Will we be sailing through our group or will we be making a mountain out of a molehill in classic England style? We've also managed to bag our first ever guest on the show, and not any old guest either, an ex-England international with 36 caps and one goal to his name. And what a blinder of a goal that was too. A goal recently uh, voted 18th best England goal ever. You will find out who that is later in the show. Plus, and I am very, very excited about this, we have got some new jingles for the show. Uh, After the technological debacle of last month, we have blown the expenses budget to hell with the kitty and up the production value of the show, as you can probably tell already. This is the Three Lions podcast. Let's go. So, as always, it's this time that in the show that I like to introduce my uh, partner in crime, the Jack Charlton to my Sir Bobby Moore, the Des Walker to my Terry Butcher, the Tony Adams to my Sol Campbell, Mr. Russell Osborne. Russell, good evening. Privet. Hello. Oh, is that Russian? That is Russian. I'm getting ready. Very good. Very good. Um, How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yourself? Very good. Well, actually, a little bit of man flu, actually. Oh, so if, no. you hear, if there's the occasional snivelling and odd, uh, background coughing, then uh, then that is the reason why. Uh, but that said, I will not that let deter us. The show will go on. Because you keep that to yourself. Yes, exactly. Because it has been uh, rather eventful since we spoke last, of course. Uh, picked up by your wonderful Russian there. Um, there, of course, has been the uh, the World Cup draw. We now know our fate. Um, and you got some first-hand experience of it. Tell us more. I did. I, did. I was fortunate enough to be picked out of the hat in the England fans' ballot to go uh, up to Wembley. Uh, and watch the watch the draw, basically the BBC on the television uh, inside the Free Lions pub. Free Amazing. food, free drink. Yeah, that was what enticed me basically. And they put on a good spread too. I might add. Um, <laughs> was it one yeah. that required uh, belt loosening? Uh, no, no, not not too much. Um, and and I was driving, unfortunately. So just just a couple of shandies. Yes, absolutely. And what's it like in there? Because I, I did I did apply for the same competition. Sadly, uh, I didn't uh, win. <laughs> um, they obviously had far more fans. I, I, did, I didn't think that many people would necessarily apply, especially given it was like a Friday daytime. Um, yeah, uh, but I, lots did, obviously. Yeah, I, obviously a lot of people applied. Now, I reckon there was probably... I don't know, 100, 150 people inside there. And it's, it's a nice swish pub, the Free Lions pub. So um, it's within the Club Wembley area, is that right? 
That's right. Yes. Yeah, as, as you go, if you're on the outside um, looking up, you can see all the glass panels um, where you often see people sitting down for a meal. It was basically it's one of those um, one of those behind the glass, the glass windows. Very nice indeed. And is mm. it decked out actually to be like a pub? Have they sort of made some sort of attempt at recreating a traditional English pub? No, it's oh. it's no spit and sawdust. <laughs> it's a it's a bistro pub at best, is it? One of those. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fair. it's quite swish. Excellent. Okay, and uh, well, we'll hear more about that later on in the show, along with uh, our very first ever special guest, whom you uh, met at Wembley. Uh, we've got an interview with them later, which is very exciting. That's the first person who has agreed to come on the show other than you or I. So That's right. <laughs> Arms were twisted. <laughs> Excellent. Did you bribe them with some free volivants? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> so before we get on to that, um, there is the small matter of a couple of senior side friendlies which took place uh, since the last show, both at Wembley. Uh, and again, we've not uh, been dipping out away from the, the big teams in the friendlies at Wembley. Germany and Brazil uh, rank numbers one and two in the FIFA world rankings. Uh, up first were the Germans uh, on Friday the 10th. That's right, and as, as always, when we do these podcasts, they always seem to be so quite quite a way away when we come around to recording. But as you say, yeah, tenth of November, we we faced Germany at Wembley in what was a, um, a a team that featured some fairly new faces. Um, just running through that team, we had Pickford, um, Trippier, Jones, Stones, Maguire, Rose, uh, Loftus Cheek, Dyer, Livermore. Abrahams and Vardy as a starting eleven, which was so that was no less than five debuts in that lot. Um, Pickford, which actually I'm, which surprised me a little bit. He seems to have been such a part of the setup already. Now it's a bit of a surprise that. But anyway, Loftus Cheek, who we're going to talk about in a moment, no doubt. Tammy Abraham, um, Joe Gomez, and of course uh, Jack Court came on as a sub. So five new caps. So that was good. Yeah, that's right. Um, and it was. Yeah, trying to remember back what happened. It was a bit of a long time ago now, wasn't it? Yeah, Sane, I remember. He had that shot fairly on in the game against the underside of the bar and out again. And you think, oh, the Germans um, are going to come at us fairly early. And, you know, thinking about hitting the bar and coming out again, sort of have a habit of coming up against him, doesn't it? Definitely. Uh, And then there was, I think, I don't know, maybe the moment of the game, two minutes later, um, where they had three chances by the Germans in the space of 10 minutes. Um, First one was saved by Pickford, then it was off the line line by Jones, and then the ball was put over the bar. Um, Oh, it's quite exciting, really. It was. Little moment, and Pickford really um, put himself in the frame with another great save from Werner later on in that half. Um, Tammy Abrahams was unlucky with a chance towards the end of the first half. Um, um, Jamie Vardy had a, another opportunity. Um, and me and the guy who I was with, we, we both called um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek as man of the match on about 70 minutes. He, he stood head and shoulders above everyone else. Yeah. Um, although having said that, I mean, um, Pickford was was just as good as well. Well, let's 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 look at both of those because, as you say, Ruben Loftus Cheek. Wow, he literally went from well, I don't want to say zero to hero, but all of it. I mean, talk about putting yourself in the limelight. 
He Ooh. grabbed every single headline going. As you say, he played really rather well. Um, totally deserved the man of the match. And really has all of a sudden gone from possible fringe player to on the plane. Yeah, if he carries on the way um, he he did in that game and keeps performing for Crystal Palace, then then why not? Do you think part of that is also due to the fact that actually, sadly, we don't have great options in that area of the uh, of the field? Maybe, maybe yes. Um, and he, he's he's a, he looks good, but what are we comparing him to? Jordan Henderson here or something? You know. Yes, yeah. I mean, I'm speaking of um, comparisons. Um, a friend of mine who um, played at a fairly decent level um, of of football and actually represented England at, at youngsters levels. He said he reminded him of a young Zinedine Zidane. Well, that is high praise indeed. It is. I um, let's not get I, carried away. No, and I, I may bring it back to him in a few years time do you remember what you told me was a comparison to Zidane but, yeah um, we'll, we'll see we'll, well see. that would that would be no bad thing at all and um as you mentioned as well there obviously great performance by Jordan Pickford as well which kind of got me thinking afterwards um we've we've spoken about goalkeepers an awful lot on this show actually <laughs> they seem to yeah. have been a which a, which is a bit of a funny one because goalkeepers you often expect uh just be in goal for the 10 years at a time. If you think like when we were growing up and Shil- Shilton just had the spot forever and then Seaman had it forever. And yeah. yet somehow we seem to have rotated through about five keepers in the in like the 10 months we've been doing this show. Um, but do you think there is now a real case to say, right, um, Jordan Pickford, to hell with it. We're just going to stick you in goal. You can be the number one keeper for the next 15 years um, and let's see what happens. I think from a supporter's point of view, yes, we'd like to see that, especially bearing in mind what we've seen from Joe Hart in in various guises, be it with England, Torino or or West Ham. Um, But sadly, I I think Gareth Southgate, as we've said before, sees him as his number one and he he may be harder to shift than than we'd like to think. Yeah, maybe. I still think he made a mistake by announcing that fact as well because it just gives him nowhere to go now i don't know why mm. he came out why he came out and said that at all but anyway um, i think yeah yes yeah, the sorry, only thing on. that will shift him will will be i think injury yeah or or like a really bad blunder which and mm-hmm. i hope and i hope well i hope it's neither of those i hope it's uh, I, I don't know what it, i don't know what it would take um Anyway, uh, moving on. Yeah, and then obviously, of course, right at the end, um, we had a chance to win it. Oh, didn't we? Yeah, Lingard smashed it right over the bar when you think it was easier to score. That would have been a uh, would have been a great way to finish the game, wouldn't it? Yeah, shocking. I just don't. I still don't understand how he keeps getting picked. I really don't. Yeah. I just don't get it at all. Not just because of that. I just don't really see what he contributes. Well. Uh, Southgate obviously sees different, doesn't he? He does. We're going to have to get him on the show to answer some of these questions. <laughs> well, I'll, uh, I'll try my best next time. Yeah, um, if you don't mind. Yeah, but I don't know. I still think we're slow on, on the whole of coming out. Um, we, we are still definitely missing some sort of playmaker at times. Yes. Um, the, the Germans were much quicker at attacking um, and, and they had much more in the way of options and they came forward. Um, having said that, though, I mean, if you look at that starting lineup, I think we only had two players that will, will start our first game. 
okay. um, in Russia next year. And, yeah. and I'll go for the court of saying Stones and Dyer will yes. be in that first. Yeah, uh, do you know what? You might be yeah, quite, but I think, I. Uh, yeah, Maguire might sneak, oh, Rose might, maybe Rose, mm. maybe Maguire, but yeah, certainly only half of them at the absolute mm. best. We'll, we'll have to look back on this this uh, podcast when that game comes around. But yes. um, that's that's my prediction. Um, I mean, Germany as well, they had a pretty experimental team, despite having the likes of Draxler and, and Ozil. Um, Joachim Lowe, he said that he wanted to, to look at alternative players, which I guess this is what these friendlies are, are for, aren't they? Exactly. I mean, I can't help but think which was good. I mean, as I mentioned it earlier, um, he seems to love taking on decent sides in friendlies, which I think is great. But I also think that we do seem to play better against the better teams. It's when we come up against the lesser sides who put 10 behind the ball that we seem to struggle. We really seem to struggle to break. I think that, I mean, I'm not sure if that's necessarily good or bad going into the World Cup, merely just an observation, really. But I think that, in past, it's as soon as we've come up against anyone half decent, we've 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 messed up. But actually, I I think that we might do all right against some of the better teams. And I worry again about more about playing the lesser sides who are just going to sit back and defend. Yeah, I think that's a uh, point well made. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're also and, and as you mentioned on that on that one, we actually also break. We break pretty well, actually. I think we make a half-decent counter-attacking side, which kind of comes in with the, the previous point quite nicely. We've got decent wide players, got loads of pace. Um, I really think we can cause a few problems, even if some of the fans might not enjoy watching a team that sits back and hits other yeah. teams on the counter. But I think you've got to know your... You've got to play to your strengths and sort of know your roles, really. Um, I also uh, came out of the game for me. I also uh, thought what which, which was good was that three at the back worked well again, which was great. And it just seems that we've just got oodles of wing backs. I mean, so in in in, in uh, we've got so many people now who have come who can seemingly play on either wing back. Um, I think that we've got to look to do that three at the back. I think that works um, really well for us. So it'll be interesting to see um, if he sticks with that or if, again, he's going to keep changing it around. I suppose it's always good to have more than one option to choose from. Um, and also, again, as we've, we've already touched on, loads of youngsters, total number of England caps at the start of the game uh, combined was a measly 112 which oh. I don't know if that might be some sort of record for the lowest amount, but that seems like a tiny number, doesn't it, really? It does. That's, uh, that's an interesting stat, that one. Thanks. Um, <laughs> but, you know, by the same token, let's not get too carried away. Uh, it was by no means Germany's first eleven, as you mentioned. Um, they probably could have stepped it through several other gears if, they, if they'd have had to, I think. Um, oh, yeah. But... You know, I've got, if I'm going to be brutally honest, I actually really thought we were going to lose that game, as in before the game started. So I got to be, I got to say, I was, I was pretty happy with, um, I was pretty happy with the, uh, with the draw and all honesty. Were you? Uh, yes, I, I um, just reminded me of um, when I was on the train on the underground going, going up there. I seem to remember there were plenty of people saying um, similar things. We're going to lose it. Um, yeah. So to, to come away um, with with a a, a draw, uh, okay, a nil nil draw, and and a decent performance. I, on the whole, I thought, yeah, I'm I'm quite happy there. 
Yes, I agree. Um, okay, so on. So moving on from that, just a few days later, as it often seems to be with these double headers, we're back at Wembley again on a Tuesday night um, to face uh, the Brazilians. That's right. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if Brazil could do it on a, a cold Tuesday night at Wembley. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, so he, he changed the team around slightly this time, didn't he? He had heart in goal, so he made a return there. Um, Walker, Gomez, Stones, Maguire and Bertrand. Um, Loftus-Cheek had uh, another start. Dyer, Livermore, uh, Vardy and Rashford were our, our starting eleven there. And he also gave a call-up for Liverpool's Dominic Solanke. Uh, Bournemouth's Lewis Cook and Norwich's Angus Gunn, uh, the goalkeeper, um, which I thought was all a bit a bit strange because he'd already announced his team or his squad um, a week or so before and then he's brought in another three players yes. um, who, who incidentally had all played for the under-21s on the previous Friday in the Ukraine um, and they were all part of the... The under twenties World Cup winning team in the summer, um, so yeah, he's brought, brought all of those into the fold. So he's he's still proving, or what he said, he's got faith in some of the youngsters. Definitely, uh, yeah. Um, and now Brazil had previously beaten Japan in their friendly, um, which was in France actually, um, and they'd just lost once in their previous sixteen matches. So they were um, obviously looking to come and get a result um, here. Uh, at Wembley and the following the goalless draw in Germany it was actually the first time since October 1998 that we had two nil nils in a row <laughs> but on on the uh, the flip side that's five friendlies for England now under Southgate and we've not won any mm. we've, uh, we've drawn three and lost two but we've uh, played we have played probably the best five teams out there, haven't we? Really? Yes. Or, or, or definitely someone we played. If you think of who we've played in those five, we've we've not shied away from anyone, have we? No, and that that was what um, Gareth Southgate wanted to Which to do. Which has got to be better than playing some minnow and spanking the mate nil. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, this this was another entertaining match. Again, it was, no goals. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Um, and and the fact that there was no goals, I wasn't I wasn't so disappointed because when you consider that um, Harry Kane was missing through injury, mm. and he's been the one um, to to put the goals in for England recently. Um, when he's back, I'm thinking, yeah, we're we're going to be potent. Um, but then, and I think, oh, hang on. Is he the only one that's going to score? We put in too much weight of expectation um, on him. Should we have seen someone else score um, in these two games? Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one to, to sort of gauge that one. I'm not sure it's necessarily because we don't have other players that can. I think, again, the quality of the opposition um, makes a difference, doesn't it? Yes. Um, I, 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 as you say, I, I get what you're saying, and I really hope that we don't fall into that trap that we've had before, like in previous, you know, every, every just complete reliance on Rooney really for mm. quite a few years up until recently, where basically you kind of felt that if he was going to have an out of sorts game or he didn't score, we, we probably weren't going to get anything from the game. Um, yeah. I think that we've kind of moved away from that a bit now. Um, as you say, I hope, I hope that doesn't happen with, with Kane. Obviously he has been on such a rich vein of scoring form. Um, It'd be good to see, as you say, them shared around a bit. But we do have other options up there, so hopefully they can. And particularly when um, when Lalana returns. 
yeah, I'd, I'd be interesting to see when Lalana comes back. I think um, just reading a few articles recently or from a few years ago that Lalana was part of the team and, and you realise what came about when he was in the, uh, the team. So, yeah, he's hoping that he can get back to his best um, fairly soon. Yes, but, um, they, but, I mean, but we, were, we, were, we were largely uh, outplayed for lots of the game. Yes, the Brazil were were by far the better team, but that that back line they they show that they can live with the best. There were a few last uh, last ditch tackles mm. there. Mm. Um, Joe Gomez as well, um, deservedly. Well in, yeah, yeah, played well in both the games, didn't he? That's right, man of the match, deservedly. Yeah, um, and and like Loftus Cheek, um, if he keeps working hard and a little bit of luck on his side, he, he may well find a place on the plane. I think you. I think you might be right. Yeah, I think it looks quite good actually at the back with um, you know with Gomez and with um, uh, Maguire and obviously Keane still to come back as well. There's plenty of we've got plenty of think, thinking. We didn't have any good centre halves. We've all of a sudden got a whole load of young ones who are all coming through, um, which I think bodes well. And I think that's why again with the the back three with wing backs might be playing to our strengths, especially given that we don't have as much in midfield. Mm, yeah, I mean, we've certainly got the, the versatility there, haven't we? Um, I mean, just a, just another word on Brazil. They they always bring the entertainment with them, don't they? They're they're almost like the the, the Harlem Globetrotters, aren't they? Um, they the the samba stands in the uh, the stands. I mean, they were Brazilian fans all around, um, and and the huge cheers when Neymar touched the ball. It, it was Beatlemania like. Um, <laughs> not not that I remember Beatles, obviously. Of course. But, uh, um, I mean, although some of his shooting was was way off being a two hundred million pound player. The um, but that all said is pretty. You know, I think we have to say well done to our defenders. You know, they had so they as you say they put out one of their strongest teams. Certainly their first front line. So we've got Neymar Junior, Jesus, and Coutinho all started up front, and between the three of them, they they created practically nothing. Yeah, nice. And that's, those, those... you know, you've, that's got to be, you know, that's got to be said that that's uh, a job well done by the defence as much as anything. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, I'll tell you one thing that winds me up now. I'm starting to get really hacked off with the <laughs> fact that this, the fans just sing one really irritating, grating, annoying song all the way through every game now. Is, is I'm sure this you know the... which song I'm talking about. The Moscow song? Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely well, I, rubbish and factually I, inaccurate. We're not even going to Moscow no. uh, unless we make it to the final, uh, which, you know, I appreciate it's not going to scan quite as well with some of the other uh, cities in there. <laughs> but it's a rubbish, rubbish song. And do, do you know what? I was sick of it when they first started singing it with about eight games of qualification still to go. And I just think we can do better than that. Well, I guess it's only got a short shelf life, hasn't it? So yeah, it'll be gone. Hasn't it? It'll be gone yeah. in well, hopefully. Well, what is it seven games time? Um, hopefully, not until like um, toward the end of July or something. Yeah. <laughs> pressure, though. You've put yourself under a lot of pressure there to come up with a new song. <laughs> I'll work on it. Yeah, I'll try. I'll try and come up with something better. Um, now, what do you think to this? Now, again, in both of the games. A load of the youngsters obviously played. We've already spoken extensively that Southgate has said he's going to hang his hat on the youngsters and he's followed through with that up until now. Um, Not only that, the ones he seems to be giving a chance, they all seem to play pretty well when they get their chance. We haven't had too many that they've given a go to and they've flopped. By and large, they've all performed pretty well and probably above expectations of a lot of the fans. Now... 
Why do the youngsters perform better under Gareth Southgate? Do you think there's a chance that maybe they respect Southgate a bit more than some of the other older heads who maybe don't respect him as much? What do you think? Ooh. Um, I'd like I'd like to think that they they all respect their manager um, and they, they probably come into contact with him quite often through his, uh, when he was part of the, I don't know, the, the under-21 side, he may have seen more of them um, then when they were sort of playing under-19s or under-18s. Um, so they may have more of a familiarity with him. Yeah. Um, and plus they've got the... Um, the the summer triumphs that they're probably living off of at the moment and, and they feel, look, this is what I've got to show. Um, and there's, they know there's a World Cup coming up that, that they want to get on that plane, be part of that team. Um, but, yeah, no, perhaps it's just coincidence that they have all come on um, and performed really well. I'm just trying to think um, who who maybe hasn't shown as much as, as they could have. I mean, uh, was it Jack Cork? Um, only mm. he didn't get a huge he didn't get um, amount of game run, time. He? No, so he hasn't really shown what he's capable of. Um, yeah, I mean, as you say, Loftus Cheek has showed what he's capable of. I thought Solanke when he came on was was oh, he could have won it as well, couldn't he? At the end, yeah, it was a great pick. Possibly skill. should have, should have, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah, they, they've all they've all performed really well. Um, I'd like to think it's not just coincidence. They they all think they've got something to prove. Mm. Quite. Well, yes, long may it continue. Maybe mm. there'll be some real uh, fighting for... I think there probably will be some fighting for places, actually. I don't think... I think there's... He might have a... I think he's going to be... He's going to have a few sleepless nights getting his uh, 23, I think. Um, I'm sure we'll both pick ours in a later yep. uh, edition. But certainly, he's been given lots to talk about. Right, uh, enough of that, shall we? Let's talk about the World Cup. Hurrah! Hurrah! Uh, we can now officially get excited. It's, uh, I guess, it's only six and a bit months away now, so we can uh, we can start to get excited about it. Um, I think, um, and of course, now we know the World Cup draw. And as we've already touched on, of course, you were there. Well, uh, at Wembley, obviously not in <laughs> Russia. Um, but that's still as close as we get. Um, and we've got some nice bit of pre-recorded audio, which I will now seamlessly uh, edit into the show. Uh, so let's uh, hear your thoughts actually on the day, Ressor, with your roving report. Let's, uh, let's check this out. So here I am standing on the steps of Wembley Park Station. I'm the only one here, which makes a change. I can see the Wembley Arch ahead of me. It's a bright but chilly afternoon, not too dissimilar to those that I've experienced in Russia before, albeit in September. Well, it's World Cup draw day, a day that comes around every four years in early December, where all 32 qualified nations find out their oppositions for next year's finals. So I've managed to get into the England fans World Cup party. It's been held inside Wembley Stadium, so come with me. Let's find out our fate. Richie! 
hello, my name's Brian. I've been following England since 1988, every tournament since then, and I'm a Coventry City fan. Give us your reaction to the draw, Brian. I'm really happy with the draw, to be fair. I haven't checked out the venues as such, but the actual opponents we're playing, I can't see why we shouldn't get out of that group, and the last 16 favours as well. So hopefully quarterfinals, Brazil or Germany, and upwards and onwards for England. Let's hope so. Thank you for that, Brian. Okay, so I'm here with Alexei. He's part of the Visit Russia uh, organisation, the National Tourist Office. And here he is. He's going to give us his two top tips for visiting Russia next year. Alexei. Hi. Yeah. Uh, one of the tips would be probably um, related with the language and finding the right people to ask for directions. Because although it's quite uh, usual to speak in English for Russian people in major cities like Moscow and St. Petersburg, yep. it could be uh, a bit of a challenge to find those in uh, other cities uh, like Volgograd, um, Nizhny Novgorod and Kaliningrad where England is playing uh, however uh, there is an advice so try to ask younger people for directions uh, than the older ones you will probably be more successful in finding the uh, right direction in this case another advice would be related with the transport so if you are uh, traveling with a ticket for the World Cup and you want to see games of England's team uh, and you have ticket already or you're gonna purchase it in, uh, in advance so in this case you are entitled uh, to free transport so you will be able to find one on transport 2018 uh, website and uh, apply for the free transport you have a number of options available for the each specific uh, city where England is playing and you will be able to travel to those cities for free uh, without paying any money um, so you just need to find the one um, a day before uh, the game is held. Lovely, thank you very much for that. So I'm here with Graham Rousseau, ex-England international with 36 caps. He's been here at the uh, England Supporters Draw World Cup party. Thank you for uh, taking the time to speak to us, Graham. I'd just like to firstly ask you your reaction to the draw. Well, I think it's uh, a, a favourable draw um, for, for England. Um, obviously, Tunisia, Panama and Belgium. Um, playing Belgium last in, in that, which, uh, you know, which is, uh, I think, uh, probably a good thing. Well, it's certainly a good thing if, if we win our first two games. Um, so uh, I think that um, anybody either supporting England or the players will look at that and think that's okay. You know, that's a that's a, a draw that that we've got to respect in terms of the opponents. But you know, we've got to we've got to say that we um, uh, certainly have you know better quality than two out of those three teams, and we know a lot about Belgium as well. So you know, they're not an unknown quantity to us. Okay, and dare I ask you for a prediction? <laughs> <laughs> I hate predictions. Look, I'm, I'm, I, I would expect them to get out of the group. I think we could, that's a safe prediction to make in terms of um, one you'd expect. Um, if, if they top the group, you know, there's the, the, they'll play the second place in Group H, which I think just looking at Group H, Poland, Colombia, Senegal and Japan, um, you know, you look at all four of those teams and you think against any of those teams, we would go in, if we've topped our group, we'll go into that game as favourites. 
Um, so you know you're you're then starting to sort of get somewhere in the tournament, and I think when it gets to the the sort of the the mid to latter stages of any tournament, you know you're you're, you're going to come up against very quickly against one of the big teams, one of the big names with the reputations, and then it's all about can we can we deal with them and can we overcome them? Um, we saw England play two of the favourites here in the last month, Brazil and Germany. You know, there's every chance. You know, if 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 we uh, if we get through that that first knockout stage, that we'll play, you know, um, both of those teams on the way to um, to success. If we're gonna if we're gonna get that far, so um, you know, it's that's why predicting is so difficult. But I, I just think that you know, from my point of view, I want to see an England team going out and just putting on performances that we can be proud of, and and actually doing themselves justice, and individually and and collectively. I think that's what we'd all like to see. And finally, can you obviously played in the World Cup in 1998. Mm. Um, have you got any World Cup memories that you'd like to share with us? Yeah, I mean, I think that the whole experience was something that you try to get as much out of as you can and enjoy. Um, you know, playing it in France, the fans, I mean, I'm not saying this because we're at a fan event, but the fans were absolutely fantastic. You know, the England fans that came and followed us around um, uh, France were, were brilliant. And there, there is a, I do get a feeling that the people that are with you in terms of the supporters a, there is a togetherness you know and, and the players really appreciate it as well um, and I think the memories for me obviously it was a disappointing memory but the getting knocked out on penalties to Argentina um, was it was an incredible game of football um, my wife's from Argentina um, so there was sort of you know um, extra sort of things going on with me sort of after the game in terms of not she's not a football fan necessarily but you know there was obviously that that sort of family history with with her and uh it was it was something that was you know talk about pride uh, in in players and, and watching them play that was a performance that made i think everyone proud even though we lost um because you know we we just we we put in a performance i think that saw showed everybody how together we were and how again you know against a, a tough opponent with a man down for much of that game and you know took them right to the wire I think ultimately that's what sport's about you know you can win you can lose sometimes um, but if you you know if you perform like that consistently you're going to win more than you lose <laughs> well let's hope so thank you very much for taking the time pleasure I'm making my way back on Wembley Way heading towards Wembley Central from a rather enjoyable afternoon in a Three Lions pub courtesy of England fans for the World Cup draw now I'm feeling remarkably positive Tunisia, Panama and Belgium. We've got to be looking at progression there. Come on, England. Lovely stuff, Russell. So yeah, it's uh, good fun. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, you did incredibly well with uh, your interviews, I must say. Um, Graham Lasseau uh, sounded like he actually spoke quite a lot of sense. He's, you know, he was a genuinely nice guy. Um, he's very sort of articulate in in what he uh, in what he said. He done his a Q and A um, with the supporters, answered um, fair few questions, um, and yeah, he was very sort of descriptive of of his memories of of how uh, how he remembered um, the, the games and and what he'd experienced, um, and he also gave um, some some opinions of of what he thought Gareth should be doing. Mm. Mm. What 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 did he what 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 opinions were they? What did he say? Well, well let's say he agrees with us on the uh, the goalkeeping situation. Oh really? Yes, he he was very forthright about that. So Joe Hart would not be his number one. Not at all. Not at all. Interesting. Um, he, Interesting. He's he's keen on the on the youngsters coming through as well. 
yeah, good, he's good. he's definitely a nice guy. Excellent. Well, we'll uh, we'll see if he wants to come back on in the future. <laughs> um, so let's have a look at that draw in a bit more detail. So first up, uh, we've got Tunisia um, in Volgograd. Um, which is on Monday the 18th of June at 7pm. It has since been announced that that will be live on BBC for anyone who isn't uh, travelling over there. Uh, Second up, we've got Panama in Nizhny Novograd, um, which is on Sunday the 24th of June at 1pm. That's also live on the Beeb. And then finally, Belgium in Kaliningrad, on Thursday, the 28th of June at 7 p.m., that one is on ITV, and I suspect that last game will be massively oversubscribed for mm. people wanting to go because if you look at them, it's funny, isn't it, Kalin? Have you looked at a map and seen what's going on with Kaliningrad? It's this tiny little isolated place, isn't it? Stuck up yes. between Poland and, and Latvia, is it? Or, yeah, um, um, it's Poland and Lithuania. So it of course, is, Lithuania. It is an exclave which basically mm. means it's part of Russia. Basically, it's an admin centre, which actually isn't attached to any of the rest of Russia, which is rather weird. I assume that they gave back bits of Lithuania and kept that for some reason at some point in history. Um, I guess but that of was course, all when the, um, the USSR broke up, was it? Yeah, exactly, I guess. Mm. But they, why they held on to that bit, I don't know. But anyway, um, Probably they've got some oil there or something. Um, but either way, it means that that means cheap flights because you can fly to Poland or Lithuania or even drive. And, of course, that's the game, the big one anyway, that people would be interested in. I think it's going to be all eyes on um, on England-Belgium. Um, I'm going to apply for a ticket. I believe you have also. I've already applied, yes. And I've, I've looked into the, the ways of getting there. Yeah, there's... look going into either Gdansk in Poland or um, head, heading back to Vilnius in Lithuania or even uh, is Kaunas as well in Lithuania has got an airport. Um, so there's a few options. Warsaw as well I looked at and possibility of a train going yeah. up. And as the guy, uh, was it Alexis, um, as he mentioned on there, they, they, they are doing this scheme um, where you get free... Uh, travel rail travel um if you've got tickets for the games which is pretty good because that's right i've done a little google map on it and if you were going to those three uh group games uh that well do you want to have a guess how far is in between the three locations i know there's a lot of backwards and forwards um i've no idea how many um, miles or kilometers is it's 2672 kilometers to travel from one wow. stadium to the second to the third. And that doesn't that's not including going back. Uh, or including you... even getting to Russia in the first place. That's just the distance between the three stadiums. So it's a lot of, lot of travelling going on because I think you forget just how bloody big the place is. It's ridiculous. Oh, oh it's, a, it's a huge place. And from experience, I done... If, if you look at a map of Russia... Um, I done a train journey from Moscow to Irkutsk, which is uh, Lake Baikal, um, which oh. is just above Mongolia, and that took five days on a train. Bloody hell! Irkutsk, of course, popular with anyone that ever played the board game Risk. I don't know if you did, but that was one of the uh, one of the ones on that Irkutsk. That is Wasted a hell of a lot. Five, <laughs> five days on a train. Mm. But that was fun. It- yeah, it was actually. It was, it was decent. 
decent um decent scenery and um comfortable beds um yeah it's, it's an interesting thing to do the uh i see as well the the stadium for the belgian game is a brand new stadium so they've built a brand new thirty-five thousand all-seater um that is going to be rocking i would suggest um of course, assuming that we haven't already been knocked out at that point, but that couldn't possibly happen, of course. Um, let's have a little look at some of the other groups um, because there were... Well, I think I'd probably rather be in our group than probably any of the others, actually. Um, group A is hosts Russia, um, Saudi Arabia, Egypt and Uruguay. I've got to say, I'm very pleased we didn't get drawn in Russia's group and have to play all our games in Moscow. Uh, because I think that might have been a bit of a nightmare um, from a fan safety perspective anyway. Um, group B is uh, might be dubbed the uh, the group of death, I suppose. It's Portugal, Spain, Morocco and Iran. Um, group C is France, Australia, Peru and Denmark. Group D, Argentina, our friends Iceland, Croatia and Nigeria. Group E, Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica, and Serbia. Um, Group F is Germany, Mexico, Sweden, and South Korea. And then Group H, who, it should be noted, we will play the winners or the runners-up of, should we qualify, Poland, Senegal, Colombia, Japan. Now, Group H is probably the second uh, least difficult, I would say. Um, And we happen to play the winners or the runners-up of that. So... All in all, it's, it was pretty sweet, really, wasn't it? it it's worked out quite favourably, hasn't it? Um, I mean, just going back on those groups, I reckon Group D, um, Argentina, Iceland, Croatia, yeah. Nigeria, um, bearing in mind that Argentina's qualifying campaign, um, we know what Iceland are capable of. We don't know whether that was just a flash in the pan, but Croatia are always um, a decent side and Nigeria uh, are good. I think that'll be an interesting group, um, <laughs> as will Group F. Um, yes. with Germany, Mexico, Sweden and South Korea. Um, how South Korea um, are they? Were they the pot four, I think? And I seem to remember them being a decent side before. So I think there's, there's going to be some decent groups in there. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, I think there's going to be some there's some great games. I mean, there's six, 64 games in total. So we've got an awful lot to get through. And of course, it's the first time with the with the new format, with the 32 teams, and of course just two teams from each group go through, which is going to mean some decent teams aren't going to get out of the groups. Yeah, that's, that's always the way. It's always good when they see a, a big one go a fall by the wayside, isn't it? Depending on who it is, yeah. Well, yes, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yes to Argentina, no to England. Yes. Um, so yeah, so that's so that's good. I'm pretty happy with that. I think, as I say, it could have been it could have been a lot worse all round um now uh we we will move on because i think we're going to dedicate the whole of the next show to the world cup so we can drill down in it a little bit more detail um and we can um really pick the bones out of that and see who maybe we think might come through those groups uh and sort of map out i'll tell you we could do actually we could map out uh, the possible routes for how England would go based on who else might qualify and who might not. Obviously, we know it's going to be the winners or runners-up of Poland, Senegal, Colombia or Japan would be next. I don't think we'd fear any of them, really, would we? No, I don't think so. But I think it's a group that 
pretty much any of them could qualify from mm. um it's not as if you could say oh yeah it'll definitely be poland they'll go through um all of them seem to be of, of decent standard yeah absolutely um yes i think it's going to be um yeah it's going to be it's going to be interesting there's no doubt about that um okay so moving on we've got a whole load of games to round up um and uh that means that we can play the first of the new jingles oh oh yes so russell you now have your news feature now has its own jingle this is the first ever airing of it are you ready for this go on deal me in do you know (laughs) okay okay here we go russell's news (laughs) what do you make of that Oh, when when you said no expense spared, I th- I thought you were I thought you were joking. <laughs> well, I did have to pay someone to play the guitar on that. Uh, we'll do it do it one more time just go so uh, just because I won't get a chance to play it again for another month otherwise. So here we here we go. Russell's news. So without any further ado, give me your news, Russ. Let's go back then to the Friday, the 10th of November. Let's start with the under-21s where we faced the Ukraine um, in Kiev. Uh, we came away with a 2-0 victory uh, for AD Bouvroy's boys. Um, and that was in a UEFA under-21 European Championship qualifying um, game. And it followed on from a 1-0 victory against Andorra in October, which you may remember. I do um, remember. You do remember that one, yes. Um, Dominic Solanke, uh, his 16th minute strike, um, and then an own goal um, just past the hour mark leaves us top of the group going into 2018. Wonderful, so well wonderful. And that's, uh, that's we're, in Scot- we're in Scotland's group, aren't we? Or they're in our group, rather. Do, do you know what? I haven't got the group in front of me, but I'll take I'm your word on that sure, one. I'm pretty sure we're top of it, and I think they might be second. Oh, um, okay. They seem to play an awful lot of games, don't they, the youngsters? Yes, they do, yeah, because <laughs> the under-19s, well, they had three games in about the space of a week. Of course um, they did. And they were all played in Bulgaria. Which, why, um, why, 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 was, why was that then, do we know? I, I dug into it, I couldn't find out why, but there were three <laughs> games. Um, the under-19s played in Bulgaria. It started back on the 8th of November um, when England um, beat Faroe Islands 6-0. Hurrah! Um, that was that's the European Under-19 Championship first qualifying round. Um, four goals from Arsenal's Eddie Nik- Nikitia, uh, I think is how it's pronounced. Um, he was the guy that got two in the Carabao Cup game in the last minute um, ah. against Norwich. Yes. Um, he, he came on that game and scored after about 15 seconds, if you may remember. Definitely one for the future again there, then, by the looks yeah. of things. Well, possibly. Um, one each from uh, Sunderland's Elliot Embleton and Nottingham Forest's Ben Bereton. So we stayed in Bulgaria and a few days later we beat Iceland 2-1. Um, another Nordic game, I guess, following the Faroes. Um, Mason Mount, um, Chelsea's on yes, loan. Uh, I like Simon. Yeah. yeah. Eddie Nikita got an, um, another one. Um, and with that, we secured um, our place in next March's elite round. Okay. Um, and we headed into the, the last match of the group, um, which was against Bulgaria, um, who incidentally, they won both of their games. Um, Jordan Sancho. Hooray. He got the 
Yeah, the only goal of the game, which meant we got top spot in the group, and we go on to the elite qualifying draw, which, <laughs> breaking news, oh, I yeah. found actually happened today. Oh, okay. Um, and it was made, yeah, say made today for the under-19s um, qualifying campaign for this elite qualifying group. We've been drawn in Group 2 um, against Macedonia, Hungary, and Latvia. Okay. Um, so what is that? Do we know what that actually means? Oh, it gets even more confusing okay. because they've got this elite qualifying draw. They've had two draws today, it would appear. Right. Um, so we've been drawn in against Macedonia, Hungary and Latvia. But there was another group which saw the under-19s drawn in a group for the under-19 championships to be held in Armenia. Now, I'm not sure if this is the same team or if it's a separate group. Um, the difference between that and a, an elite group. But basically, we've been drawn in Group 5 alongside Turkey, um, Iceland and Moldova. So it's, it's very confusing and I may have to elaborate more on the, uh, the next as, time. Clear as mud. And, yeah. what, and, do we, so, and we also don't know why there was a tournament in Bulgaria in the first place. Seems a bit unfair advantage to Bulgaria who were in the same tournament. I don't know. I don't know if there was another um, country had hosted um, their own little tournament between, I don't know, Germany, Switzerland and how Latvia. Was, how <laughs> very, very bizarre. OK, yeah. well, moving on from the confusion of the 19s, the, uh, the, the, the 17s have had a few games as well. They have, yes. Again, back in November, uh, beginning of November, we played Portugal up at Chesterfield. Um, and this was... Um, yeah, 2-0 down. Um, really, the, the World Cup final, um, the oh, under-17s, yes. they came back to beat 10-man Portugal with um, goals from Thomas Doyle of Manchester City. There was a, an own goal just before the hour mark and the winner from unattached player Bobby Duncan on 77 minutes. So I'm sure unattached. Done himself, yeah, done himself no, um, a lot of favours there, hasn't he, by, he, by scoring? Yeah, that, see, that I, I, I don't even see how that can happen. How can you be... Nowadays, they sign him up on contracts when they're about seven years old. I'm mm. amazed that he's not with the club. But anyway, so that's, so that's uh, four out of four uh, youth side wins. Uh, what's their next game? When a couple of days later, the under-17s, we played Russia up at Burton and we beat them 2-1. Although oh. we were we were 1-0 down after 12 seconds to a Russian penalty. And then just before half-time, the Russians were reduced to 10 men. Chelsea's Clinton Moller got the equaliser. And then Manchester United's Mason Greenwood um, smashed home on 56 minutes for the winner there. Excellent. It seems that they could uh, do with... Defending a little bit better from the start, perhaps. Yes. Like the 17s. There seems to be a common theme of them going behind. Although that said, uh, to win from behind is obviously uh, a wonderful trait, and long may that continue. Yeah, well, they've obviously got a lot of character to come back. Indeed. Um, and then a few days later, we played Germany up in Rotherham. Mm-hmm. Um, two goals this time, or Bobby Duncan again. Oh, yeah. Uh, and um, Jack Nolan from Reading. So we uh, yeah, a lot of lot of wins for the youngsters. So that's six wins out of six and 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 more breaking news. Uh, of course today was that we've won the uh, the prestigious Maurice Berlaz trophy. Yes, that was for 
uh, the, I quickly scanned over that one. So it this because... is this is awarded every two years, weirdly, um, for the previous two years worth of youth team uh, results. So basically, the results from all of the youngsters teams go into it, and it's basically how well they perform actually in the tournaments point system. Um, if you win the tournament, you get eight points. If you run us up, you get six or seven or something, and it goes down. Um, and, and we won that. So, uh, hurrah. And I would imagine that, we, uh, yeah, that, that we've probably got a reasonable chance of winning it in two years as well, given that um, if, it, if it rolls over. Um, so, yeah, so that first time we've ever won it as well. So, uh, wonderful stuff. I'm gutted that I didn't actually get to see the trophy cabinet at Wembley when I was there the other week. That would have been gleaming. Yeah, I don't yeah, wonder, where, wonder where that was. Um, let's move on to the women. Um, okay. So, few um, recently, back in November, the ladies played Bosnia and Herzegovina up in Warsaw in their UEFA Group One game. It was, in fact, the first win for interim manager Mo Marley. Two goals from Steph Houghton and one each for Nikita Paris and Frank Kirby. Penalty sealed that victory. And then a few days later, we played Kazakhstan in Colchester and we beat them 5 0. Uh, Mel Lawley with the opening goal, then four goals in 12 second half minutes from Chelsea's. Yeah, it was, it was good second half, that one. Frank Kirby from Chelsea, two from Nikita Paris and Manchester City's um, Isabel Christiansen. And uh, so Mo Marley, she's interim manager, and I did read the other day that she's. Now got to sort of fight for her, fight for her job now. But you kind of compare it to Gareth Southgate uh, when he was in that situation. Huh. He got the job being interim manager, didn't he? So, he did. yeah. So uh, fingers crossed for Mo Marley. And so the women next play Wales next April in Southampton. And more breaking news, oh. as I saw today: uh, the Lionesses are top of the women's FIFA rankings. Are they really? They are indeed. What as in number one? Yep, as in top of the pops, right well, at the top. how about that then? Yeah, well done, ladies. Well done, ladies. I met and uh, I noticed as well that there's quite. I'm quite pleased that we're well, playing at Southampton next, which I'm half tempted. I might, I might go along to. It's not very far from me. It's only out of forty minutes at the road, mm. um, and I'm quite pleased because. I think that they probably could fill bigger stadiums than uh, Walsall and Colchester, to be quite honest. So I'm pleased they're playing in a larger one. It'll be interesting to see how many tickets they sell for that. Um, might go along if it's not not too dear and I've not got anything better to do. Um, and then the seniors. Now, they've uh, we've had a few friendlies announced. Yeah, so we knew that, um, or that the rumour mill always said it was going to be Holland in Italy. So they've confirmed they did, those. They? Yeah. Yeah, so we're off to Amsterdam on Friday the 23rd of March and we'll be home to Italy uh, a few days later, Tuesday the 27th of March. Um, and of course, we all, we all knew that Holland weren't going to make the World Cup, but um, Italy not making it um, mm. means that we'll be playing two non-qualified World Cup nations. Which is a um, bit uh, strange, but there we go. It is. I guess they choose these uh, these games well in advance. But uh, yes, more, more breaking news, oh. more breaking news. Um, today, I've seen on the Sky Sports website, Nigeria are rumoured to be an opposition um, lined up for a friendly next June. Um, apparently, the, the Nigerian Football Federation secretary has leaked that one. Has he really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, well, that's probably, I guess, yeah, doing their little... Uh, I noticed when I read about that uh, in the 
Three Lions podcast Facebook group, uh, Plug Alert, which anyone listening, if you haven't joined it, you truly should. It'll be probably one of the top 10 most fantastic things you do this week. Um, (laughs) Just search Three Lions podcast on Facebook and you will find it. Uh, But I noticed in there, yeah, obviously they always do this thing, don't they, of trying to sort of uh, replicate some of our World Cup opponents. Yes. Um, and as you astutely pointed out, Nigeria presumably are uh, are an attempt at replicating uh, Tunisia. Yes, I, so, I can't see it myself. But... Uh, so it'll be interesting to see who 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 they also pair us up with um, nearer the time to replicate Panama and Belgium. I can't believe they know that much about Panama. I wouldn't have thought. Oh, when, when we play Guatemala, we'll know everything we need to know. <laughs> yeah, quite. Uh, absolutely. Okay, well, that rounds up the news, which brings us uh, last, but by never means least, uh, hot and not. And we've got a jingle for that as well. Ooh. Which I'm sure, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's only so much excitement that we can do in one show. But do you want to hear the new, do you want to hear go the on new then, jingle for hot and not? I feel we kind of set the tone. It's a similar standard. <laughs> right, okay, here we go. Turn that blinking racket down. It's time for Hot and Not. <laughs> What'd you make of that one? That, that one's slightly better, I think. Oh, you like that one? I like oh, good. That, yeah. Okay. Um, there is another one, actually. There is probably the best of the jingles is actually the one for... Mum's tweet, so we haven't actually got her reading any this week, so oh. we're going to have to save that. We'll, one save for a, yeah, yeah. we'll save that for a future uh, future episode. So let's have a look at hot and not. Um, you can start. You can do whichever whichever one makes you happy, Russ. Oh God, no, let's let's start with hot. Um, I'd like to say, yeah, well done to England fans for sorting out the um, the World Cup draw party. Um, they got everyone um, sort of involved that could uh, help you along the way. The the Russian. Um, tourist office and there was a um, Gulliver's Travels I think they were there to, to help you and talk to um, you about um, what you could potentially do next year and there was free food there was free drink and Grand Lasso was a very nice man indeed so thank you very much England fans yeah really good that nice to see that actually doing something for the fans for once in a while um, and free food and drink brilliant win and that's just an open bar, was it? You could have just gone and t- tucked yeah. into that to your heart's content. That's right. No one got kicked out for having too much that I saw. So, uh, yeah, everyone behaved themselves. It was very good. Excellent. They obviously carefully selected who got the free tickets, <laughs> yeah. no doubt. <laughs> uh, okay, well, my hot is uh, fat Argentinian cheap Diego Maradona, um, who in a rare moment of magic, uh, as he plucked England and all of their opponents out of the FIFA bowls, at the recent draw. Now, as we know, it could have been much, much worse. And for that, we have at least partly got to thank the diminutive gun-toting coke fiend, <coughs> allegedly. <laughs> Obviously, he might not be any of those things. Well, he definitely is gun-toting because there's pictures of it. Uh, anyway, um, thankfully, our readership is small enough that I don't think uh, he's going to file any sort of lawsuit against us. Uh, but just for legal purposes, allegedly. So, uh, what about your not? Uh, we're sticking on the, the the World Cup draw theme. Gary Lineker. Oh yes. 
uh, highly critical of FIFA, isn't he, in his various tweets? And, and next thing you know, there he is, flight over to Russia, and he's hosting the thing. Um, I know it's probably a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but hey, man... You're a little bit hypocritical there, aren't you, sir? Money talks, done... I guess. Oh, yes. Yeah, Dirty Russian money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Paid all in used banknotes, no yes. doubt. Yes, yeah, um, I'm disappointed. Yes, quite. Um, what a sellout. Um, I'm going to say, my not, and it, he's been not before, and he will probably be not again, it is FA Chief Executive Martin Glenn, who came out this week for some completely unknown reason and came out and said that basically, even if Gareth Southgate loses all three games in the World Cup, he will keep his job. Now, not only is that the most bonkers statement I have ever heard in my life, because if we lose to Panama, lose to Tunisia and lose to uh, Belgium, I would imagine he probably won't even be welcoming the country again let alone <laughs> keeping his job uh, likewise the most of the players will probably also be hung drawn and quartered but even if that is true why on earth would he come out and say it that's tactically so naive as to be outrageous um, and I really hope that Southgate himself manages to demonstrate some slightly better tactics than what uh, Martin Glenn has come up with with that statement because that is just absolute nonsense. I don't understand why he came out and said it and it's just more embarrassment from our pathetic FA. <laughs> and that's why they didn't invite me to Wembley. <laughs> I, I wait for the day where you have Martin Glenn as your hot. Yes, well... I, don't get me wrong, I would be delighted if he does something uh, worthy of that, then I would be only too happy to give it to him. Um, maybe if win England win the World Cup, then that would be his, um, maybe that would be his time. Um, I think we are just about uh, over. Um, do you know, I, think, I, I, I don't think I've wished anyone... A happy Christmas yet, so I'm going to make you my very first Christmas uh, happy birth uh, happy birthday, happy uh, Christmas, Russ. So happy Christmas to you because I probably won't speak to you before. Well, thank you uh, very much. Have a Merry Christmas to you as well. Oh, thank you very much. Um, do you have anything exciting planned? Not really, no. Okay. I'm a bit of a bit of a bar humbug when it comes to it at the moment. Do you know what I am a little bit as well? Yeah, I, I, begrudgingly the tree went up this week, uh, but that's that's where I draw the limit. It's a tree; no other paraphernalia is allowed in the house whatsoever. Um, and uh, I will be taking the opportunity, of course, to eat and drink too much. But that aside, uh, no, it generally passes uh, without too much mention in in, in our household, if possible. Um, but we will be back. Um, do you know what? We probably should have rehearsed this because I haven't even checked the dates. The first, when is the first? Is it a, when is the first Friday in January? Any idea? Uh, scrambling for his phone to check the diary. Bear with me one moment. December, music. January, first Friday, the Friday the fifth of January. Friday the fifth of January. Yes. Oh, that sounds good. Should we put a podcast out then? Just try. All right, let's do that then. So that will go for Friday, the 5th of January for your next episode, uh, when we are going to be uh, digging deeper into the World Cup, um, because by then the, uh, the, 
they run in will very much be on and we will be uh, not quite in the home straight but maybe on the uh, maybe on the back straight I suppose with that six under six months to go so it just leaves me to uh, say thank you Mr Russell Osborne thank you uh, it's been a pleasure as always thank you for listening if you have enjoyed it please share it with your friends um, because that would really make our day and we'll be back in January 2018 maybe just maybe the year that England win a World Cup who knows come on England (laughs) 